Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and we're coming to you live from the Complete Media Network. And joining me, as always, on a Monday to cover the world of sports is Jason Cameron. Hey, buddy, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. It's uh, it's uh, it's a great Monday, kind yeah. of. A little bit overcast, but that's good because it's good for the fires and rain yeah, to get rid true. of the fires. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I uh, I was up in Squamish today. Uh, it was uh, overcast early, but then it got really nice and sunny uh, in the afternoon, and it was windy, but it was uh, really warm. And uh, yeah, we had a really good day. Uh, was able to dress, finish around three uh, thirty or something like that, and boom, out of there. Uh, back towards the city. So uh feel pretty refreshed. Uh, I had four days off. Um, I had a little bit of work to do uh, on Saturday, but uh, outside of that, uh, I feel pretty re-energized, pretty refreshed. I, I had a bit of a bad back at the end of last week, so uh, I'm glad that's done now. Uh, needed some rest, I guess. And um, I didn't do any of that dry needling, but uh, yeah, maybe one day when my uh <laughs> muscles are as sore as that but um i know i'm feeling really good and i uh, i was looking forward to this today um i i'm 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 really excited to talk about the weekend of sports but i really am angry and i have a serious bone to pick i am i i don't think i've been this angry in quite a while um i'm ready to just just see steam coming out of my ears if i didn't have my headphones on there might be uh i just uh, i'm just furious 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 and i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tirade really quick here okay let's hear it okay. what are you angry about today? okay well um i'm probably gonna shock you I, I remember shocking you a bit on uh canada day when i said they were canceling canada day Yes. Okay, so um, things have been taken another step further with all this stuff. And if you are sensitive to expletives, if you don't like swearing, if you do not want to hear me swear in the next couple minutes, uh, turn it off. Uh, turn the audio off. You can watch the video. Uh, if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms and it's just audio, skip ahead about two minutes and you won't hear any expletives. But I don't think I can uh, say all this stuff without swearing. Um, so now we are uh, getting close to not being called British Columbia anymore. There is a, a big push on to get rid of the racist names of British Columbia and be more inclusive and more indigenous to uh, help out with the reconciliation. And um, we've decided that uh, we're just going to change this whole entire fucking province, this whole entire fucking country, and we're just not even going to allow any of the history that has been built on this place. And oh, I just, I just want to just... I just want to just flip out on the people that just keep coming at this. They've changed the anthem. They've changed Canada Day. They're changing this. They're changing that. It is just so fucking infuriating that I'm just, 
I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know. Like they might actually force me to leave, to just get the F out of here and not stand for this crap. We just keep bending over backwards and changing the whole entire history to make some, a few people happy about this. And we are now going to be called soul toe mock. That's going to be the name of our province. If these people get their wish, uh, it's just, it's just sickening. It's just brutal. I I'm just, I'm just disgusted. I, I wish I got into politics so I could just flip out and scream across at the people that are trying to change our entire history. Um, okay, so so the first thing I'm gonna say is, okay, so I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate, okay? Yeah. I'm gonna play some devil's advocate. So first off, this is still in discussion. It's not 100% that any of this is actually gonna go through. They're still talking about this, right? That's right. Okay, so with that being said, Yes, there has been some atrocities, and I can actually say that word, some real atrocities done to yes. the indigenous people. Yes. And yes, there absolutely has to be a discussion done about how to, uh, 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 how to fix said situation with the indigenous people of this country. Uh, how to recon like, uh, find some, some, some common ground, so to speak. Sure. with our indigenous people yeah totally. and there is there, it this is such a loaded topic of discussion that it's not even funny and it's going to be a hard thing to negotiate and navigate finally actually at some at this point in time we're actually talking about it but the thing that's actually forced the government's hand to talk about it is the mass graves that they found sure. that i'm sure Governments have always known that they were there, but they've never been found until this point. Right. And so now the indigenous people, and rightfully so, are leveraging that hardcore yeah. to do changes that they feel is necessary towards this country. Yeah, a lot of us are not going to be happy with it because of said changes are just so radically changing that it just feels almost alien to us. But for them, it feels like they've always, it should have always been this way in the first place. So now that we are at this stage of discussion, hopefully we can find some sort of middle ground yeah. as we go through this. Hopefully we don't actually have to change literally everything and we can find a middle ground to appease them and to appease Canadians across the country. Yeah. Hopefully. I, I drove up to Squamish today on the signs heading up the Sea to Sky Highway. Uh, you see the indigenous names of Squamish, of Whistler. You see mm -hmm. the indigenous names of um, the communities that are um, up the Sea to Sky Highway. Uh, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with, you know, recognizing where we came up with some of these names, uh, you know, recognizing some of their territories that we've taken over but they want to they want to get rid of british columbia because they said it's british rule and it's columbus who came over and colonized this this country well i don't i don't know it's just people take over territories take over areas the indigenous people that lived in this in this country for many years before 
um, the colonization of it, they didn't always stay where they were born, where they lived. They decided this isn't very good right now. I'm not getting enough food. I'm not getting proper climate. I need something different. And they would go to other territories. And what happened when they went to other territories? There would be a fight. There would be a war. They'd fight. They'd kill each other to get that better territory. And that's just what has happened in the world all over the place. When somebody's not happy with what they have, they move to another place. And usually when they move, the people don't accept them, don't want them to be there. So they fight them off. And those the indigenous people were killing each other to get the best territories. That ended up happening here. And yes, way over the top atrocities, brutal stuff that happened. But when people move, the other, the other people say, sure, come and join us, or they fight them. And there was a fight that went on. Unfortunately, the indigenous people lost and had to give up their land and stuff. But we have bent over backwards in this country more than I believe any other country in the world. I, I, I really don't think that any other country in the world has bent over backwards to try to give reconciliation to their indigenous people. You can look at Australia, you can look at the US, you can look at many, many countries through South America, many countries that were taken over. The, the people have suffered and will continue to suffer and are not treated well by the government. I think our government has really, really stepped up and done a ton of stuff for the indigenous people. They need to do more and they, they will continue to, but I just don't think that you can just suddenly, because of something that, you know, now we've discovered graves, that's it. Let's wipe out the entire history of this country, the higher entire history of this province, and just say, no, uh, sorry about that. You can have it all back and do whatever you want with it. It's just, to me, it's just ridiculous. Come on, what are you talking about? No other country is ever going to do something like that. Yeah, but part of the reconciliation process, again, is because of there is a history, but you could say that there's two perspectives of said history. Yeah. There's the indigenous perspective of said history, and then there's our perspective of said history. And those perspectives do not mesh right. at all, right? right? Yep. And so when you look at it in that perspective, then you have to think to yourself, well, what do we need to do to even try to come close to making this right? To even try to come close. Yep. And yes, you're going to have extremes on one end and on the other end. But as I've said before, at some point in time, there has to be a middle ground that has to be found. Because we... There's some certain things, certain facts of this matter that we absolutely know, that the, the, the Indigenous people have suffered, and we see the effects of all that suffering and heartache today. Yeah. All you got to do is go down the east side, and you see that on the street, yeah. all right? And so, and that, that's something that's so deeply ingrained and affected them that that's what's happened to the, like, to the people, you know? So, again... I don't have the I don't I don't I don't have a solution to this. I, I don't I'm not I'm not 
I'm not a sage here. I, I can't I can't just sit here and say this is what needs to happen. This is what this is what will fix the problem. I think it's something that's going to be ongoing, and I think it's something that we'll all have to work towards a certain goal of trying to do this reconciliation process together. Yeah. Like because it only works if we work on it together. It doesn't work if just if it's just one group. It, it doesn't work like that. It has to be all of us inclusively working towards a common goal. I I have. Uh indigenous friends and you know i i know you know a lot of the the pain and suffering that they've had to go through and you know a lot of the things but uh we've always been many of us have been very close friends and and remain to this day um i i i um yeah i i just really just I just don't think that uh, suddenly, you know, uh, there's that term cancel culture. I don't think that cancel culture, canceling history is the answer to their problems, to the, the problems that have, have been created. Uh, I, I have some things here that have already changed in the, this summer and uh, over the past few months. Uh, July 8th uh, this year, Vancouver City Council uh, voted to change the name of a street here in Kitsilano. Uh, it's called Trutch Street. And the Musqueam people now are choosing the name of that street. Um, they said that uh, Trutch uh, was the first lieutenant governor of BC. He had racist policies, and uh, they've decided that um, they should no longer be honoring him with the name of a street. Here in Kitsilano, and there is a Trutch Street over in Victoria too. They're, they say they're going to uh, get rid of it. Uh, Mayor Kennedy Stewart said it's the first step of many to um, to do this reconciliation. Uh, Toronto City Council voted in favor of renaming Dundas Street. Um, Edmonton City Council voted to remove all city references to the name Vital Grandin, who was. Um, a bishop in the Canada's residential schools, uh, Ryerson University, uh, uh, lots of calls to rename it because um, Edgerton Ryerson uh, was a bit of an architect of these residential schools. Uh, I don't know where it's going to stop. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, why it's just, it's going so much farther. Uh, one of my Indigenous friends, um, he lives in Saskatoon, and he posted something on social media the other day on his Facebook, and it was um, the discovery of mass graves in the Ukraine. Uh, Joseph Stalin uh, was in power and uh, started killing uh, many, many, many Ukrainians. Uh, they found graves that have five to 8,000 people. And uh, supposedly there's a grave in there that has something in the neighborhood of 200,000 bodies, possibly. Um, this has been happening all over the world. And uh, there are, um, you know, brutal dictators. Uh, a lot of um, atrocities have happened to people when they've had fights and wars. Uh, we... Yeah, I mean, as a as a country, I, I think Canada is a, a great place. Um, I feel like bringing this up 
constantly uh, makes people doubt that this is a great place. Uh, I think people um, have started to question if Canada is a place they want to come. And um, I, I just, yeah, I just feel like we are, we're harming our country more than doing good uh, because I think it's going to create a divide. Um, it, it makes me angry. Um, I think it will actually force a divide between the Indigenous people and the other people in, in this province, in this country. And I don't see, I don't see completely doing everything to um, try to reconcile, reconcile something that you can't really is, is going to um, solve the problem. Or you could look at it this way. Maybe Canada is that great a country because we have the courage to try. You know what I mean? Because we do, we're trying. We're trying to do what we can. We're trying to make this country as great as it possibly can be by being inclusive and being sensitive to the needs of the first Canadians that were here, right? So maybe that's actually what makes our country great. You're saying that it could create the divide, but I'm saying that actually could be a galvanizing factor to bring us all together because now you're bringing, you're shining a light on the problem for the Indigenous people that we've all know has been a problem for a while. We don't know exactly what it is, but you see it every day. So you know that there's a problem there and you know that something has to change. Something has to come about to hopefully have positive effect for these people. And and as we go through this whole process, and it's going to be a process, my friend, it really is, because we're seeing it now as we go through it. You know, it's, it's, it's just going to be something that's going to be a constant talking point. It's going to be a point of contention, too, as well. Because I can honestly say that as being a, a, a person of color and with the whole Black Lives Matter, I've, I've had that conversation with others saying, why do we need to keep talking about this, right? There's a similarity there because it's like, well, I don't know about you, but that affects me, like, I don't know, every day of every second of my life. Yeah. So that's why the conversation will continue to keep happening. That's why they want this conversation to continue to keep happening until we get to a point where people are happy. Now, when is that point going to happen? Gonna yeah, happen. I know, right? Like, That's... when is that actual point going to happen? I, don't I think see the. I don't see the. I don't see them ever being happy. That's the thing, yeah. though. Like, you, they can point to, you know, like you say, the downtown east side. They can point to, you know, this and that all the time. I don't see them ever being happy. So, so, do you? I don't know. Like, if you're if you're trying to make some someone happy that's never going to be happy is there a point where you have to just say that's enough that's done like they're never never ever 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 going to be happy i i i guarantee it so i don't know there's got to be a point there, there has to be a point but like like i said before that's why we keep talking about it like we just have to find some sort of common ground yeah probably not everybody's going to be happy but at some point in time, I would like to hope that we find something where at least there's some sort of satisfaction 
about the changes that have, have been enacted and that have happened. There's some sort of satisfaction. Right. Okay, well, yeah, I guess it's uh, more talks for a different day. And um, yeah, uh, I, thanks for allowing me to vent a bit. Uh, yep. you know, yeah, just I, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated by it. And I, I feel, um, yeah, I just feel like we, yeah, it's just, it's something that is just, I think it's just changing um, something that I thought was quite great and making everybody think that it's terrible and it's such a, a, a brutal place that treated people so badly that um, we shouldn't honor it anymore. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm proud to be Canadian. I'm proud of this country. I'm happy to be here in British Columbia. I do not want uh, every day to open up the news, listen to the radio, watch TV, and see massive change going to it because I don't think it needs massive change. Yeah. Well, every country has their dark history. Yeah. This is ours. This is this is what we have to deal with. And, you know, I, I think we're trying our best. I think everybody's trying their best to try to deal with what we're dealing with right now uh, with the indigenous, uh, with, with, with the indigenous people. And we're, we're trying, we're trying. And that, that's, that's the best you can ever ask from anybody, any government is that they're trying their best, you know, like, and we're trying to, to, to make this as right as can be in a situation that's almost impossible to make. Right. Right. Because we, we know what's happened. We know what the history is and it, it's it, the atrocities are absolutely ridiculously horrible. So, and you're just trying to fix that. And that's something that maybe you'll never actually be able to do, but at least hopefully you can get to a point where people are somewhat satisfied with the end result at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, well, let's get to what we normally talk about sports here. And uh, there was a lot going on this weekend. Uh, we've talked the last couple of weeks about being the dog days of summer, not a ton happening in the world of sports. We're, we're waiting for the NBA season to start NHL season, NFL season, uh, just kind of all these leagues are sort of on the cusp of starting, but not really, you know, till September. So uh, there was, UFC, which is going to be fun to talk about, but you know, I think the biggest story of the weekend, amazingly enough, was boxing. And there was a pay per view last night that uh, everybody was talking about on the radio today. Uh, lots of things on social media, tons of stuff all over online. Um, I know you didn't watch it, but I did. And uh, we've got. Um, Jake Paul, uh, somehow uh, one of the greatest promoters to ever live, um, calls himself Problem Child, went on YouTube, got 5 million followers, uh, acted like a goof and a fool, um, suddenly decided to get into boxing and has given this world boxing in this form, uh, started putting boxing back on the map in lots of places. Uh, this night was in Cleveland, Ohio, his hometown. 
Uh, and he takes on a former mixed martial artist, UFC champion, uh, washed up champion, but a champion nonetheless in Tyron Woodley. And he won again. Uh, shockingly enough, um, he understood boxing much better than Woodley. Uh, he knew how to get points. He didn't throw the best shots. He didn't throw the damaging blows, but he landed shots enough to win every the first three rounds and then a couple of rounds after that and took a split decision victory. I believe he won the fight. Um, it was it was a farce and it was pretty ridiculous, but it was to me the biggest story of the weekend. Okay, so this is what I'm going to say about uh, the this. Cele- I'm just going to call it what it is: uh, celebrity boxing. Yeah. That, that's because that's what it is: it's celebrity boxing. I'm going to make you a promise here today. Mm-hmm. I will watch the Pauls fight when they fight a real boxer. Okay, that's when I'll. Uh, that's when I'll watch. Until that point, I'm not going to watch because. I, I can't help promote what they're doing because it's not, it, it's, 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 to me, that's not, I'm a purist, I'm a boxing purist, and that's not really boxing. Right. That's just a guy that's picking people that are not boxers and showing I can beat people up that aren't boxers. Yeah. Even though as I'm training to be a boxer 24 seven, that, oh, that's, that's fantastic. Good for you. Way to beat up people that can't box. Awesome. And that's what he's been doing. Yeah. Now, when he fought Tyrone Woodley, super close. But unfortunately, as you said, Woodley, yeah, he's kind of on the down. Way down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But but I did hear that Woodley did knock him down. Is that true? Uh, he knocked him. Um, I guess it probably was considered a knockdown. He went against the ropes. I actually... I think I um, texted you. Yeah. The, did you see the picture? No, I didn't see the picture. I, I think it's picture. on your phone right now. Oh, you're on your phone right now, me and you talking? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you can't look. I uh, well, I showed it to you. He fell against the ropes. Uh, it looked like maybe the bottom rope held him up from hitting, going down. But uh, yeah. Woodley landed definitely the most telling shot. Uh, he really rocked him and stalked him, tried to land some more blows that would take him out, um, but wasn't capable of it. Um, I talked a little bit with Scott Holborn uh, while this fight was going on, and, and he mentioned a quote that Dana White had said. And he said, um, you, you watch Woodley and you think, wow, what a physical specimen. You just wish you had a remote control to control him to actually unleash his fury because he is a physical specimen. And if he lands those shots, he takes people out, but he just waits and waits and waits and waits and doesn't throw enough to, to win fights. And he hasn't for a long time. Uh, So it's just, it's infuriating, frustrating. And, and you and I've had conversations about him before this and he just, doesn't decide to throw he just waits and and this isn't a guy that he should have been afraid of should have been worried about he should have just attacked him and knocked him out he had the ability to knock this guy out and this guy has been fighting bums he's not been fighting anybody uh woodley should have just 
wipe the floor with them. And it, and it pisses me off because now boxing people think, oh, come on. Look at mixed martial arts guys. They can't even beat Jake Paul's in the boxing ring. How sad is their striking ability? And it makes MMA a little bit tarnished because of Woodley just doesn't want to throw the throw his punches for some dumb reason. Yeah, because he, he he has this tendency to shell up, yeah. where he just he just doesn't want to. It, it's the weirdest thing because you think with your talents and your athletic ability, you think you'd use that to your advantage, and then you don't. Question mark? <laughs> you don't do it. It's, it, it it is a conundrum that I have not figured out with that guy. I don't I don't understand. I obviously it's a mental thing. Yeah, it's a head thing be. for sure. On, on why he doesn't throw, because in my humble opinion, as I'm sure with you, you would agree, he has the ability to take that guy out. You probably had the ability to take that guy out in the first three rounds. Immediately. If, he, he, I, if I was Woodley and I had that athleticism, I would have knocked him out in the first couple minutes. Like, I, yeah. I just would have attacked him. I wouldn't have cared that he landed a few shots. I would have just kept throwing bombs until – One's going to hit him and take him out. Like it was, it was, it was, it made you think that could this be fixed? And then I thought probably not just because he's been like that the last four or five fights anyway. So it's just Woodley and, and Jake Paul was like, yeah, I've seen this guy, but he doesn't throw punches. So I can beat him. Well, who, who can't beat somebody that won't throw punches? Yeah. And so, and, and also too, that's the genius of Jake Paul. He's been, very carefully selecting who he fights, yeah. knowing who he can be, right? Yeah. Because he's done that. And he fought Askren too, right? And Askren knocked him out. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's picking these people. Apparently, from what I've heard, tell me if I'm wrong, that the next fight could actually potentially be a boxer. <laughs> and it could potentially be Tyson Fury's younger brother or something like that. Uh. I've heard. Well, he's he's been called out by that guy, but I don't see him doing that. Uh, exactly. In, in the ring, post fight in the ring, uh, they started going at each other. Woodley thought he won. Um, Woodley doesn't understand boxing, so you know there's there's more screws loose than just not throwing punches. But he, he thought he won because he landed a couple of big shots and had him in trouble, but. But he was winning round after round after round. And so he doesn't understand how to win at boxing, which is kind of strange. But uh, the, the weird thing was um, they had had a bet against each other that whoever won the uh, no, whoever lost, sorry, had to have the other guy's name tattooed on his body somewhere. And they made that bet. And he said, um, I've got a tattooist right here. If you tattoo my name on your body saying, I love Jake Paul, we have an immediate rematch. We've, we're, we're fighting a rematch. And he said, and, and Logan Paul was behind him saying, you don't deserve a rematch, you bum, you lost. What the <laughs> hell are you talking about? You're a bum, you're a bum. Don't even think about it. Why would he rematch you? He kicked your ass. And, and uh, it was true in a lot of ways, but um, I think he's, from what he said in that post-fight interview and, and at the podium press conference later, I think he's realized that he's uh, starting to bite off a little more than he could chew. And he's probably going to take a little hiatus. It sounded like 
hey, you know, I'm going to chill for a little while and, you know, soak up the money that I've made and, you know, not bite off some more real boxers and, you know, get myself knocked out. I think he's going to look around and see who's the next celebrity that I can knock out and look cool at. Yes, that's my thing. That's why I can't support these guys because it's all about image. Like, you remember Andre Agassi, image is everything? Sure. That's what these guys are doing. Sure. It's all about their image. They dare not try to fight somebody like that. Like mm-hmm. like I just said, like Tyson Fury's brother, who said, oh, I'll fight that guy. <laughs> well, Dick Paul's like, no. No, I don't think so. No, yeah. Thanks for the call, though. But yeah, no, I've already got something else figured out. No, I'm not going to do that. So Exactly. Exactly. There was like, a there was a few fights on the card that were supposed to be you know legitimate battles and and real boxers. Uh, the co-main event um, had uh, two very very skilled women boxers that uh, were fighting for world titles. I was like really impressed when I saw the the quality of the two women there. One of the worst fights I've ever watched. It was just pathetic. It was just it was just ten rounds of just the exact same thing happening over and over and over and over it was it was amazing how boring of a fight it was uh the the uh the champ her name's amanda serrano uh she's 40 41 one and one now 40 uh victories before this fight she owns the wbc wbo and the ibo championships in the female featherweight division 124 124 pounds uh, seven-time division world champion. She's called the real deal, which pissed me off because that's Holyfield's name. So don't <laughs> steal somebody that great's name. Uh, but uh, the, the the other girl was this Mexican girl. Her name was Yamaleth Mer- Mercadado. Uh, she came into the fight at 18, two and one. Um, but Jesus, not, not <laughs> capable of, of even you know doing anything with this champion it was it was really shockingly bad i was like oh my god this is the co-main event like come on you know it really actually looked a bit legitimate but uh super 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 boring fight but but this is weird because there was fifteen thousand fans in the stands there was tons of celebrities there like tons of celebrities there I'm going to list off some of the people that were there. Dave Chappelle was front row. Uh, Dustin Poirier was in Jake Paul's dressing room, hyping him up to go beat Woodley. We had uh, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. We had some boxers like Andre Berto. Um, There was just tons and tons and tons of, of famous people in Cleveland, Ohio, watching this boxing match. And... They had something in the neighborhood of a million and a half pay-per-view buys, I've heard. I haven't seen the exact figure, but they got a million and a half people to pay 60 bucks to watch this. How does he do it? How does somebody like Dana White, who's been in the boxing uh, game, he's been in the mixed martial arts game for this many years, how can a guy like Jake Paul be a better promoter than Dana White? It's insane it, it actually is insane but clearly uh jake the pauls have tapped into something that maybe dana white or the ufc can never tap into which is like 
like because they're they're influencers through YouTube, and yeah. they have the they have uh, the younger generation's ear. They have their attention. Okay. And by with, with that being said, those guys are smart enough that they're roping into celebrities to garner attention. And I and I'm even going to go as far as they're probably giving them incentives to even come out there. You know what I mean? Right. They're saying, oh, no, we'll put you up. We'll do this. We'll do that. You get to come in for free. We'll give you the VIP treatment because they'll probably even putting that into uh, taking into account that's their cost of doing business is getting all these celebrities out there and taking care of them as well yeah, to probably. make to make their to make the event even look greater than what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but at the same time, they're doing it. And also, too, Woodley would be a fool not to ask for a rematch. That was probably his biggest payday he's ever had. So of course he wants a rematch. Yeah. Of course I want to fight you again. You know? Yeah. And 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 as I've said to you before, that's a problem. That's a problem that you and I love the fact that the Pauls keep poking at the bear and picking at that scab on the USC saying, these guys are making more money with us, and it's a celebrity boxing match. Yeah. Like that's to me, that's utterly ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing. You don't even want to play Francis Ngannou. So Francis Ngannou should just go do some celebrity boxing with these guys, get paid, and then come back to the USA so you guys can pay him whatever you want to pay him. Just let him have one of those. Yeah. Although those guys would never fight him. That would be a massacre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Jake Paul said he actually considered paying money to every one of the UFC fighters for Saturday night $5,000 more than what they were going to make for going into the cage just so they would be fresh and be able to come to the, the fights on Sunday and be in Cleveland. They wouldn't have to go and fight. And he said he is going to be probably doing that at some point soon, paying the UFC fighters more money to not fight than to fight. <laughs> oh, okay. That would be interesting. That I'm looking forward to because that would be throwing down the gauntlet. And now Dana White's like, okay, you want to go head to head? Let's go. Yeah. That that would be the gauntlet being thrown down. And maybe, maybe that's them trying to set up saying, well, we might get into the fight game. We might develop our own company. We might be taking away a lot of your fighters because right. we're going to pay them. I think, I think there there might be a shift. Maybe he's stepping away to look into that as a real business venture. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I, I looked up the uh, top pay-per-views of all time. Uh, Logan Paul's first fight against KSI. don't know him. Uh, <laughs> YouTuber kind of dude, I guess. Uh, 21st highest pay-per-view of all time. It was held August, August 25th in 2018. Uh, 1.3 million people put up their money. Uh, the top pay-per-views of all time were really dominated those uh, by two men, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor are really uh, the ones that have driven pay-per-view dollars. Uh, I'm shocked that this third guy is uh, J Logan Paul or Jake Paul. Jake Paul was the guy last night. Uh, the fight of the century that was held six years too late, uh, had 
4.6 million views, pay-per-view buys uh, between Floyd and Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, uh, May 2nd, 2015. Uh, That fight set boxing back many, many years because (laughs) that many people were pissed because it was a pretty bad example, a, a fight that... People had been wanting for years and years and years, and they were both way past their prime, and it didn't deliver. And there was 4.6 million pay-per-view buys, and all the rest of the people that went to the bar like I did and saw it and were like, what the hell did I just waste my time on that for? Uh, That really harmed boxing a lot, I, I unfortunately have to say, but I'm not sure if this is harming boxing the way it's going, this stuff. You're not sure. You don't know. You don't know. Huh? It's weird. We got- it's weird. I just, I don't know. Maybe boxing needed this shot in the arm. Okay. All right. So then my question would be, this is my, this is, this is a good question. Do you think the people that watch this farce of boxing, celebrity boxing actually then go, you know what? This boxing thing's pretty cool. I'm actually going to start watching real boxers. No, no, son. They don't do that. I'm just going to tell you that right now. They're not into watching the real boxers, watching the real craft. Because like they're fair weather, they're fair weather fans. They're just right. looking at yeah. they're just going, Ooh, celebrity the Pauls are fighting again. Yes! Yes! Let's see what he can do when he fights this bum off the street. You don't think you don't think it'll bring any fans to real boxing? <sighs> okay, you know what? I'll give it to you: five percent, five percent of the people that watch, maybe coming over to real boxing, be like, "You know what? I, I I like this. I like this. I I just have that feeling that these people that are watching this stuff are just there for the pure entertainment value and the shock value of it, of what it what it brings, and that's oh. it." I mean, it was in Cleveland, so I pretty I, I actually think that there was fans for Jake Paul because it's his hometown. But I think yeah. most people want to see him get his ass kicked. I think yeah. that's why there was so many pay-per-view buys because people want to see him get KO'd and shut the F up and be on the canvas convulsing and <laughs> finally not be able to yap so much. Yes, and obviously, too, and that's part of their marketing strategy. It's just to be just such the villain, be so deplorable and hated that people are just like, man, I cannot wait for one of these Pauls to get knocked out. And that's the reason why they're just like, well, we're not going to fight real boxers. That's why it will never happen. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Because yeah. they know, they know that people want to see that happen. And that's why they also know we're never going to accept any of the real boxers and say, oh, hey, you want to fight me? Like if Oscar De La Hoya said, Come on, man. Let's do this. They're like, no. <laughs> well, Not- Dale Hoy is fighting on September 13th. Against Vitor Belfort. Yes, yeah. I, I saw that. Looks like Vitor Belfort is uh, taking his... Uh, uh, TRT uh, again. Yeah, the TRT. Testosterone replacement therapy again. Because he's looking jacked. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. He's looking super jacked again. 
Yeah. It, he does not look like deflated Vitor anymore. He looks like he's superhero Vitor again. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm kind of excited. I want I want to see TRT Vitor again. I, I He was an animal. He was so fun to watch when he was super jacked on those things. He he would just do crazy things. He would just go in and do the freaking tornado. <laughs> boom, the guys would be done. It was crazy. It was back to... When he was the phenom, when he was a kid, it was awesome to watch. Yeah, and that's great. And I'm glad that De La Hoya goes, take all the testosterone you need. Let's do this. <laughs> De La Hoya, I think, unfortunately, has uh, messed up his brain. I think he has brain damage from fighting, but I also think that he has brain damage from drug use. Uh, when that guy talks, it is so cringeworthy it is scary he has become uh somebody that i just uh, it makes my skin crawl even hearing him talk now i you know what i haven't heard de la hoya talk in a long time is he punch drunk does he slur his yeah, his yeah because yeah, I know he's I messed up like he's actually seriously messed up and i'm amazed that there is any type of sanctioning like these celebrity boxing matches don't seem to have sanctioning. They don't seem to care. They don't seem to have real judges, real refs, real sanctioning. They can just say, oh, well, that guy hasn't fought in 13 years and he's brain damaged. He'll still be able to come in and put on a show. It's it's scary. It's not cool. It's, it's one reason why the UFC had to move into sanctioning to keep the sport alive. But these guys are back on the fringes where the UFC started and it's, we're, we're, I don't know. It's crazy. Like De La Hoya is messed up. I would not give him a license to fight and he's going to be fighting in, in a couple of weeks against a guy that's just jacked beyond belief on crazy drugs. Yes, exactly. And, and I'm sure family friends have tried to talk him out of this. I'm sure of it. I'm sure his business partner, Bernard Hopkins has said, Dude, you can't even talk straight. Like, what are you wrong with you? Are you crazy right now? But at the same time, you know what? If he's deter bound and determined, he wants to make this happen, he's going to make it happen. But you're right, though. There should be a governing body that just says, okay, just, just talk to me for a second. Like, try to make a straight sentence without slurring your words. Oh, that's impossible for you. You can't fight. <laughs> you can't fight, man. Because if I let you go in that ring and you die in the ring, well, that's that's not good. Yeah. That's not good for the sport of boxing at all. So I think I think it really legitimately could happen in one of these events. Um, there are, there are deaths in boxing every year. There have been deaths in boxing going back a century. There have been way more deaths in boxing than anything mixed martial arts wise, and. Uh, because you're getting repeated blows to the head, and even if you get knocked down, you can get up and get a standing eight count and get thrown back in there. Uh, there is a real possibility of somebody dying. And if somebody does die in one of this, does that just kill these celebrity boxing matches for good? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I would say people would be like, yeah, there, 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 there would be a movement to stop the matches. Immediately, politicians would jump all over that and said, yeah. well, we can't have this anymore. The guy just died in the ring. Actually, why was he even in the ring? 
Has anybody actually ever looked back at the tape? Like if it's De La Hoya, especially if somebody liked that word to die and then they look and they go, well, look at, look, the guy can't even put together, like string together, like a, a decent sentence. You know what I mean? Like why was he even allowed to get in there? Yeah. So yeah, just takes one time. And then that that's all over. It's gone. It's done. Uh, one of the UFC fighters that uh, we've had on as a guest is, is Tanner Bozer. And uh, Tanner Bozer is one of his early opponents uh, back in Edmonton, where he's from. Uh, he fought him a, a couple of times, uh, Tim Haig. Uh, Tim Haig ended up dying uh, after a boxing match where he sustained some head trauma. Uh, Tanner actually fought Tim Haig twice. He fought him March 27th in 2015, and Tim knocked out Tanner. Uh, they fought again a year later, February 4, 2016, and uh, Tanner beat Tim uh, with a knockout um, in the second round, halfway through the second round in Edmonton. Uh, approximately about a year or so later, uh, Tim Haig uh, decided to have a boxing match and uh, died uh, after sustaining some head trauma. And it's real. It's real. And uh, these are, you know, fun for people to watch and go, ha, 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 this is great. But, um, you know, this isn't, this isn't playing. This is, this is real life. This is, you sustained some head trauma. Um, you might not ever wake up ever again. Or you might never be the same ever again. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's combat sports. You don't play with combat sports. That that's, that's stuff that will affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, so with that being said, those people that are in charge of letting these people in the ring, they got to they gotta be sure that they can actually, they should be in the ring in the first place, that they can be there, yeah. that they're not so physically disabled that, you know, there's no, there's no possibility that you should even be stepping in the ring yeah. because you're messed up. Your brain don't work no more. <laughs> you know, like you, you just shouldn't be there. No. You shouldn't be. It, you shouldn't be put into the ring to take more abuse that you do not, you most certainly do not need from what we see. Yeah. So Yeah. Dale Hoy has got, you know, more millions than all of us will ever have. And, you know, great life uh, after boxing and, you know, they, they shouldn't be sanctioning something like this and, you know, he'll probably walk out unscathed and he'll make some money, but um, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's just it's just it's just too bad that um, these things are starting to become pretty mainstream. Uh, they're becoming the talk of the sports world, and they're overshadowing uh, real boxing and real mixed martial arts and the things that we should be celebrating. Um, but I, I couldn't believe it. There was more people today that wanted to talk about this Jake Paul fight. Uh, against Tyron Woodley than anybody wanted to talk about the UFC this weekend or most other sports. Which is just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it's just like, oh, really? Really? But then at, 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 this, at the same time, um, there's, 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 there's people that want to see this kind of stuff. You know, there's, there's an audience for it, which they've clearly tapped into. So all the power to them. Way to go! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I I talked about the uh, top 
pay-per-view of all time, which is uh, Floyd and Manny. Uh, Floyd and Connor in August 26th, 2017 had 4.3 million views. Uh, Connor did better than anybody expected. Tenth round stoppage there. Uh, the third best of all time was Connor and Khabib. Uh, 2.5 million UFC 229, October 6th, 2018. A ton of animosity there and and Connor being the, the way he, uh, you know, the way he hypes the fights up and Khabib and him really didn't like each other. Uh, riot happened after, but uh, two and a half million views there for uh, that one. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather fought in May of 2007. Uh, there was uh, 2.2 million views uh, for that one. Uh, split decision win by Floyd. Floyd and Canelo, 2.2 million, 2013. Holyfield Tyson, two, was uh, the fifth best of all time. That was the ear bite fight. It was called the sound and the fury, but everybody always refers it to the ear bite fight. Uh, 1.99 million, June 28th of 97. Uh, Tyson was DQ'd from that one. Uh Tyson, Lennox, Lewis, Connor, Nate, two. Uh, those are tied for sixth place. Uh, had about uh, uh, 1.9 and 1.95 million. Um, who else? Lesnar, uh, Lesnar, Mir, two. UFC 100 had 1.6 million. Uh, that card is stacked beyond belief. One of the yeah. greatest cards the UFC has ever held. GSP, uh, Tiago Alves, Dan Henderson knocking out Bisping, and Lesnar getting that TKO victory. Uh, Tyson Holyfield, one was 1.59 million. Tyson McNeely, that lasted 89 seconds, was 1.5 million. Mayweather Cotto, uh, McGregor Diaz, one. Um, on and on and on. As I said, um, yeah, the, uh, Logan Paul, uh, so far it's 21st. Uh, I haven't heard exactly where this one ranks, but uh, it was great to see tons of these fights uh, on this list. Uh, the, it was the top 55, and number 55 was GSP, Nick Diaz, 950,000 pay-per-view buys, March 16th, 2013. Uh, GST, GSP won a five-round decisions, but uh, I recommend going to the Business Insider and checking out that list. Uh, brings back a lot of cool memories of uh, tons of pay-per-view fights. Yeah, yeah, and as just as you were going through them, I, I recall watching all of those fights, and some of those fights were just epic, legendary. Yeah, for sure. You know, like so, but. So do, do I put the Paul Woodley fight amongst all those legendary fights that you just mentioned? <laughs> no, not really. Not no, really. Yeah. No, 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 not, not at all. So, yeah. Uh, I wonder if I would have watched it if we weren't doing this podcast. Um, you know, I, I can't, can't say if I were, would or wouldn't have, but um, yeah, I, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's weird that it's happening so much these days. Um, something that won't go away probably until somebody dies. So um, we'll see how long it lasts. Uh, 
Yeah, let's turn to the real fighters. The uh, UFC had a great card on as usual. Uh, this one was uh, UFC 35 from USC Vegas 35. It was ESPN 30. Um, had the featherweight main event between Edson Barboza and Giga Chikadze. And I said Barboza was going to kick his ass. He uh, had way better experience, uh, way better opponents. Giga just really hadn't had been tested yet. And uh, I was fully wrong. Um, Chikadze's uh, kicks and his ability to uh, blast at Barboza, um, yeah, took him out early. And uh, it was impressive performance for sure. I was impressed by the fact that Barboza took, he controlled the center of the octagon and Giga was just like, okay, then I'll just skirt around the edges. And then he sniped them. Like he was the better sniper out of the two, which was like just immensely apparent as the fight wore on where, you know, we, we know what to expect from Barboza and then Jakadze stepping up in competition like that. We didn't know exactly how he would do. And then he showed it. Because he said, I'm the best striker in this division. Well, from that performance, he probably he might be the best striker in the division. So now, with that being said, I that call out that he had, I loved it. Max Holloway. With Max Holloway, that would be one hell of a fight. Yeah. Hell of a fight. But anyways, but going back to what I was gonna say though about the Barboza Chikadze. Barboza took the center of the ring, controlled it. Chikadze was actually harder to hit than Barbosa, I think, was expecting. He was in and out, and he was the faster fighter. Yeah. Again, I was surprised at that, too. He was the faster fighter of the two. So he, he was in to hit, and then he was out, and he wasn't getting hit. Yeah. That was a huge difference in the fight. Huge difference. There was, yeah. Man, yeah. He, he really was able to keep the distance when he needed to, and and yeah. work around on the outside. And uh, once he landed that big shot on Barboza, really wobbled him and then just went in for the kill. Um, Barboza lasted about a minute, but he just couldn't withstand the onslaught. It was just kept coming and coming and coming. Finally, Jason Herzog jumped in to save him. Um, that get, makes him uh, seven wins in a row. Uh, Arnold Allen is the only guy in that division that has more with eight. Uh, Volkanovski has seven, Chikotsi has seven, and Bryce Mitchell only has five. Uh, Giga wants to be the backup for that Volkanovski Ortega battle just in case one guy falls off. Um, I can't see why that would be a big problem, except uh, his ranking is much lower than you know a lot of the other guys that uh, you know might be screaming for a title shot. But he said, uh, if I can't be that backup fighter, then uh, Max Holloway and uh, Holloway's uh, scheduled for fights. Um, I'm trying to see who his next opponent is, but uh, do you remember? No, I, I don't. I don't remember who he's. He's. I, I want to say he's fighting somebody in the top five. Yeah, I'm trying but to I, see here. But I got the is, uh, that, that he's supposed to remind me. But yeah, nothing comes up immediately when I look, but. Oh man, that would be in a phenomenal fight. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, such a great call out. Um, I was impressed by Chikadze even after 
uh, he, he, you know, he boasted a little bit that I am the greatest striker in this division, but uh, he had great words for Barboza, said a lot of really nice things about him. Uh, he talked about uh, Dariush being one of the reasons why he is where he is. And um, yeah, and uh, Dana White said a ton of good things about him, uh, gave him a 50K bonus for that victory. And um, yeah, he definitely uh, really impressed and showed his world-class skill. I just didn't think that the quality of fighters um, that he had faced uh, really gave him legitimacy, but um, that was a huge win over a super, super tough opponent. Um, I was surprised that he was faster than Barboza. It was pretty shocking to me. Yeah, so was I. I was super surprised at that. And then also, too, just looking at his body type, you don't think he have the power that he generates, yeah. but he most certainly does. Yeah. Like Barbosa doesn't re- have those big reactions over nothing. No. He got rocked, man. Yeah. In that third round where he just took him out the way he did, yeah. it's almost like he kind of flipped the switch and said, okay, I think we're done playing around here. Time for you to go, yeah. go down. Yeah, and exactly. that's what happened. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, super impressive. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the USC does with him, but uh, yeah, Ninja's definitely moving up the ranks, uh, coming in uh, number 10 ranked, and uh, yeah, he should be probably top, you know, six or, you know, something like that now after that. Um, this was a, a, a really big feature of um, the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, most, uh, lots of the guys on this card uh, came through the Ultimate Fighter. Great to see the Ultimate Fighter back for the season 29. There hadn't been uh, Ultimate Fighter in a few years. They had really just turned to this Dana White Contender Series instead. But um, great to see. And uh, the two uh, main battles were really hearkening back to where you see guys are fighting for their lifestyle, their, 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 their career. If you win, you've got a job. If you don't, you, you don't. It's kind of, uh, it just brings out the best in guys, I always think. And um, the two fights for the Ultimate Fighter uh, championships and trophies were, uh, were incredible. I, I enjoyed them immensely. Yeah, yeah, they, they were great, man. They were great. Um, the first one I'll, 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 I'll talk about would be the ba- uh, battle versus Urbina. Yeah. And I love the fight, but... I think that fight could have had more if Urbina was given more time to train. Sure. Because I think I think he was on very short notice. Yeah. So his gas tank definitely wasn't up to snuff, so yeah. to speak. Sure. Because in that first round, he had battling all sorts of problems. He he had him in trouble. Sure. Wobbled him, took him to the ground, round and pounded him. But then when the second round came around, he, he started losing steam pretty quick. And then that's where battle started to really take over and uh, and uh, then took over the fight, submitted him. And that was all she wrote with that rear naked choke, which actually wasn't really sunk in and looked like he was actually on the chin, crushing it more than anything. else. Yeah. Battle had said that um, he had heard about even even if you don't get it under the chin, you can still get the guy to submit if you can grab your hands and just crush it. So, yeah, did it. Yeah. um, Urbina came in as a late replacement. The original opponent that had made his way to the final blew out his knee. 
So he was given 10 days notice and brought in. I'm not sure if he was keeping in shape after he, you know, lost his, his fight in the ultimate fighter prelim or in the semifinal before he um, left the house. But um, yeah, you're right. Uh, he had battle in all sorts of trouble, but uh, ran out of steam. Uh, I was, I was cheering for him. Uh, you know, I'll have to admit because uh, he was the third brother to go through the ultimate fighter and, and, I wanted him to finally be able to hold that trophy for his family. Two, two of his brothers had already been in and had moved up the ranks and they lost. And he was the third brother to try to finally get that trophy for the family. And he wasn't capable of it, but I think that the USC will probably still give him some opportunities and still uh, yeah, schedule him for some USC fights. Yeah, because he, he still had a great showing. He had a great showing. And I, I, I firmly believe he had more to show if he was given a proper training camp. Yeah. For sure. For sure, man. So, yeah, I, I really liked that fight. I, I, I enjoyed it immensely. And I thought that battle battled back to win the fight. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Good one. Uh, I hate his nickname. He has a last name of Battle. You could make so many great nicknames out of battle. And his nickname is Pooh Bear. And I just thought, oh, my God, who did, who saddled him with Pooh Bear? Uh, you could just list many, 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 many amazing, great nicknames with battle. And it made me think of um, us doing this. And I thought, uh, what would your... UFC mixed martial arts nickname be if you were a fighter here. If I was a fighter, my <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. How about Ninja King? Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Not bad. Yeah. He just got ninja, but you want to be the Ninja King? All right. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking mine would be Braveheart for uh, my Scottish heritage and something like that, or or serial killer or. Something, you know, mean, nasty. I, I, I love, you know, some of those natural born killer, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. some of those really cool ones. Uh, but Pooh Bear, oh, disgusting. Oh, they got to They got to change it. The battle, you know, can go with so many cool things right before you say battle. Like, imagine yeah. the possibilities. I could come up with 20. Just boom. He, you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I think eventually, as he goes along in his career, that nickname will change yeah. to something else, something better <laughs> than sure. whatever that is. Yeah, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Uh, both these guys were on Team Volkanovski, and uh, all four fighters that made it to these finals were Team Volkanovski. I guess he kicked Ortega's ass uh, here, <laughs> and he's gonna kick Ortega's ass. Uh, next month in this battle, but uh, I was happy. I'm not a fan of T-City. Don't like him, and uh, good to see the Volkanovski's fighters that he picked. Battle was actually his last pick out of the when they picked the fighters for their teams, and uh, he was able to raise the, the trophy and get the middleweight to crown, and also the six-figure contract heading into the UFC. Yeah, it was impressive. It was impressive. 
the guy that's picked last on the team is the one that comes out on top, which has to be very, very immensely satisfying for battle. Yeah. Very satisfying. In watching Dana White's post-fight press conference, um, he gave the details on the bonuses and he gave 50K to many fighters. Giga got one. I'll list off some of the others later. But uh, he said that the Ricky Tur- Tercios and Brady High Stand are getting a bonus as well. It won't be 50K, but I'm paying those guys because that was an entertaining fight and they deserve something. Uh, I, I hope I can hear in the next week or two what they, they did get. But, um, man, what a great battle this was This for the bantamweight title. And you could really see that it meant so much to both guys. Both guys were just fighting for their life, and it was, it was super entertaining. This fight, reminiscent to, for me, Stefan Bonner, Forrest yeah. Griffin. Yeah. Like, that's the type of intensity. And that's the type of will and heart that both men showed. Yep. They fought each other at every level and every point in this fight. Nobody backed down from one another. Even when Tercios was on his back, he was still throwing strikes. They, they, they just kept fighting each other. It didn't matter at what position they were at. Somebody was throwing something and the other guy was throwing back. Yep. It, was, it was one of the most entertaining fights I've seen in a long time long time but the one thing that i was super impressed with was just the want you could see how much both of these guys wanted it yeah and it was refreshing to see i haven't seen anything like that for a long time man it was cool that's one of the arguments that a lot of people have of paying these mixed martial arts fighters too much because uh you don't see the hunger you don't see the oh my god if i don't win this I'm not going to be able to eat tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I'm going to be homeless. I'm, I can't do anything. The, the fight, the desire, the I got to get out of my situation kind of drive sort of shows fights like this. And I'm glad you said the, the Bonner-Griffin fight because that crossed my mind as well. It was like, yeah, this is why they have this ultimate fighter. This is why these guys are fun to watch. Usually they're, they're not super skilled yet. They're not really good at defense, but they can just stand there and blast away, take shot for shot. And you can just see more will and desire in them than you see typically in most of the other guys that are on the roster. Yes, of course you can. And also, too, now that we've gone along, definitely more skill. These two guys were were definitely, they were highly skilled, highly skilled. So, but at the same time, okay, now you've made it. Now you deserve to get paid. Right. You know what I mean? Because you can make the argument for boxers. One of the perfect examples for me would be Canelo Alvarez. Why does that guy even bother to keep stepping into the boxing ring? He's worth like half a billion dollars by this point in time. You you want to know why he likes to do that? Because he likes to prove to everybody, yeah, I'm the best. Right. And I love hurting people. And I'm really good at it. And that's why I get in there to show you that I'm the best. You know, like sometimes it's just, it's not about the money. It's about always proving yourself through competition on who's the best. True. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then between these two guys, they wanted to see who was the best out of these two guys and who would get the contract. And they fought their freaking asses off in this fight. 
just to try to figure that out. And it was as entertaining a fight as I've seen in a long, long time. I absolutely love this fight. Me love too. It. I sure did. Yeah, I loved it so much. Um, I really recommend if you haven't seen it, viewers, listeners, uh, yeah, try to find it. Uh, Ricky Tercios and Brady Highstand. Uh, I was cheering a little bit for Highstand being a Spokane kid. Um, they talked a lot about the two fighters that have come out of that camp, Michael Chiesa and Juliana Pena. And uh, they said that, you know, we are such a small little community that nobody really gives us a ton of respect. But uh, two, two fighters that came through that tough, both win, both came into the UFC and have had successful careers in the UFC. And I was kind of a little bit leaning towards high stand, but man, was I entertained and uh, I, I loved it. Uh, so, so fun to watch that fight. And yeah, I, I am a proponent of uh, ultimate fighter and I hope they keep running that back. Uh, it was great to think of a lot of those tough fights that we've seen over the years and harken back to the original one that saved the UFC and really put uh, the sport on the map. And um, yeah, Forrest Griffin has a big place in my heart from this podcast and, and um, yeah, great to even remember that fight because it really did remind you, you, they were just going toe to toe with a huge battle and uh, yeah, nobody wanted to quit. Nobody wanted to quit, man. Like it, it was just, it, it was inspirational, yeah. you know, to see these two guys trying to realize their, their dream. Yes. Tercios got the contract. Are you trying to tell me that he's not going to give a contract to high stand? Give me a break, man. Yeah. I would, give me a break. No, like that's going to happen. And the reason why he probably didn't say what their bonus was, because they probably both got double. <laughs> they probably, he probably gave them both a hundred grand because oh. Dana White will do that. Yeah. You put on a fight of that kind of epic proportion, he's going to reward you for that. Yeah. And they should have been rewarded for that. True. That's true. I hope so. Yeah. I hope they change both of their lives and I hope they both get USC contracts and yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Dana White did give Bonner and Griffin a contract. And right. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. I, I hope he stepped up. I, I hope he realized, uh, yeah, I, you know, out of my, you know, millions and millions, I think I can spare a little bit of money for these two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like, come on, man. Like, like I said, that, from every ultimate fighter fight that I've ever seen, that was as close to Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner as I've ever seen a fight. Right. And for me to say it like that, that means that fight was absolutely epic. Yeah. It was epic. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's try to blast through uh, some of these other fights on the card. Uh, the welterweight fight between Daniel Rodriguez and Kevin Lee. I was really stoked for this one. I was super excited. I think I was Looking forward to this fight more than any on the card. And uh, D-Rod is proving that he is a force to be reckoned with in this division. Uh, Kevin Lee is on a bit of a downslide here. One in four in his last five. Uh, he had troubles making weight. He has moved up. He's moved down. He's moved back up. Uh, he's returned to welterweight and uh, takes a, a, a big loss. I'm not sure what he's going to do. He's he's a hell of a fighter, but uh, when you're losing this much, it starts becoming concerning. And um, yeah, he he was pretty upset over this one. 
Yeah, and as he should be, because it, like he's he's putting now he's put himself in a very tough situation. But the one thing that I noticed as he moved up in weight, Rodriguez still looked like the bigger man. Yeah, to be honest, like like he looks like he's just a shade too small, actually, for that division. Right. Because like as I was looking at that fight, I go, Rodriguez still looks like the bigger dude. He looks like a lot, like a like he looks like the bigger dude, yeah. and. On top of all of that, Rodriguez's stand-up, super on point. Yeah. My goodness. Like, wow. Kevin Lee's chance to win that fight was to grapple and take him to the ground. That's what he did in the first round. Yeah. And, yeah. and then in the second round, Rodriguez was able to battle back and get it to where he wanted the fight, which was standing. And then in the third round, he really took over yeah. with his standing, especially with uh, the leg kicks and taking out the lead leg of Kevin Lee affecting his mobility, affecting the like his movement so that it was hard for, harder for him to shoot at angles for the grappling. Like Rodriguez really, really impressed me. And off two weeks notice for yeah. this fight. So he was clearly keeping himself ready. Yeah. He said he has been, he's been, uh, you know, really wanting to fight often and keeps himself in great shape. He looked amazing. Uh, man, he has power and great takedown defense. Uh, yeah. Sean Brady was supposed to fight uh, him and the, uh, supposed to fight Kevin Lee in this one. And he came in on, on a couple weeks notice. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kevin Lee was coming off a bit of octagon rust. Hadn't fought since the pandemic. Uh, March, 2020 was his last fight. Uh, actually had two knee surgeries in the meantime. Um, but yeah, he, he's got to figure out something because he, uh, had missed weight a uh, few of his last bouts. He was, um, you know, having to fight catch weight, wasn't really figuring out where to land. Uh, he actually fought for the interim UFC light, lightweight championship against Tony Ferguson, uh, October 7th, 2017. Uh, Ferguson beat him with a triangle choke uh, late in the fight, only a minute left, but um, he's been on a, a bit of a down trajectory trajectory uh, i liked it he changed things up and he hired for us a hobby and uh this was the first time he was in his corner in this fight but um yeah he's got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what's you know where he where he can land where's his best uh, uh division and uh yeah he's probably going to have to take a little bit lesser competition to try to build back up again because um yeah you don't want to lose Five out of six and six out of seven where, you know, maybe you're going to lose your job. Yeah, exactly. So he, he really needs to, first off, he needs to figure out what division he's going to fight in. Yeah. And he needs to figure out if he can even fight at 155 anymore. Like yeah. he might actually have outgrown that and he's just too big now to get down to that weight. And so if that's the chase, then he's trying to retool with Faraz Sahabi, which I think is definitely a possibility. He's one of the best uh, coaches out there in the UFC for sure, maybe even on the planet, but uh, he's got to make that serious commitment to retooling or, or just making sure that what he does best, he always does that in the octagon and what he does best is grappling. Yeah. And so figuring out how to get his opponent to the ground where he can control him and dominate. He should have, he should have taken him down and yeah, he should have figured out how to take him down and just, yeah. Then the, don't mess with that guy on the feet. That's for feet. sure. <laughs> he's, yeah. 
Erod's proven that holy cow, he is tough one, tough guy to stand and trade with. So a uh, couple of other tough guys making their debuts in the middleweight uh, division here. Andre Petrosky against Michael Gilmore. Uh, Petrosky got beat by battle in the tough uh, semifinal. Huge upset. Uh, everybody thought Petrosky was going to be the guy to beat and win this, um, but he got beat by battle. Uh, but he didn't uh, lose in this one. Uh, he looks like a pit bull. Uh, really tough, fast. Um, just, yeah, I think he's a legitimate middleweight fighter. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, once he gets some more experience, uh, I think he's going to be really uh, a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. Like, once he works on his stand-up, because his grappling looks like it is definitely as high level as it gets. How many times did he pick up Gilmore and just walk him across into the center of the octagon and just slam him <laughs> or, or just do huge slams up against the cage? Like he did that over and over again. Yeah. In the second round, I believe Gilmore kind of had a better round. He was able to stay on his feet more, able to pop him with some shots. Sure. But then in the third, Petrosky just goes, you know what? Tried to stand up. Didn't work out so well for me. I'm just going to put you on your butt again. And then I'm going to ground and pound you out, you know, and that's what he did. Yeah. Ground and pounded him all the way to a finish. Although I did, I did like the fact that the ref gave Gilmore all the time in the world to try to get out of there. Yeah. But when the man actually has his arm around his body and he's just doing this, <laughs> well, eventually yeah. ref, you're going to have to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got his hand pinned, and he's like, yeah. oh, yeah. just raining down shots. Yeah, there's nothing more to be said. It's time to stop it, yeah, because he's going to take unnecessary punishment. But, yeah, it was uh, – yeah, once it got to that point, um, I, I felt bad for Gilmore. Uh, yeah. Another another nickname that I hated, the gentleman. Uh, I You don't want to be the gentleman in the UFC. I don't think that's going to help you uh, – intimidate any of your opponents and uh i'm not sure about gilmore um we'll see uh he needs more uh work but um but yeah i was impressed by petrosky and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him again uh let's talk about the uh gerald mirshart big upset over mahmoud miradov um mirshart was supposed to lose this he was the biggest underdog on the card he was not supposed to be even in this battle. And, uh, man, he pulled out a huge submission win. That guy, he knows how to submit guys. And uh, that was uh, super impressive. Uh, I think he blew everybody's mind by winning this one. Of course he did. Like, Murdov had every sort of advantage that you look at in the fight. He's faster. He's stronger. He's quicker. He's better with the stand-up. Like, every, everything was kind of, all right, well... This this it's gonna go his way. That's that's why that's why he's the overwhelming favorite. Yeah. But then Mearshart showed something else. Heart. Yeah. Plenty of heart, man. Because he took some hellacious shots and managed to keep his wits about him and kept coming forward. Yeah. He kept coming forward. And then eventually he figured out something. He kept landing his overhand left over and over again. And then he started to hurt Murdoch. To eventually got him to the ground and then manage it to sink in his hooks and get that rear naked choke. Even when he was getting it, I was just like, 
is he really going to get like, – is this really happening? And I love the fact that Paul Felder, his buddy, freaking out. <laughs> yeah, he just was cool. yeah. Because he's just like, oh, my God, he's really going to do this. It was awesome, man. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was super happy to see Mearsharp pull that off because that was definitely a fight that he should not have won. He no. shouldn't have won that fight. No, he shouldn't have won that fight. And uh, but um, I can't believe he was able to get that choke in. Uh, he's got 25 submission wins out of his 33 victories. Uh, so yeah, he's no joke on the ground. Uh, yeah. Like you said, that was really fun. Felder Felder was cheering for him big time. They had a great exchange post fight yeah. interview and. And really great. Uh, yeah, it, it just, you really uh, were starting to pull for the guy uh, to pull yeah. off this massive upset. It's crazy when, you know, you agree to a fight and everybody in the world says, oh my God, what the hell did you agree to that for? This guy's going to murder you. And, and you uh, proved the world wrong and beat him. Uh, it was pretty neat. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was awesome to say to Felder too. It's like, well, you know, like I took a page out of your book. I need to get hit like a lot before I actually start to wake up. <laughs> it yeah. was, it was cool. It, you know what? Like I've always enjoyed it when post-fight interviews where friends actually interview another friend that yeah. just won. And it's just, it's just such a genuine experience that they both get to share at that point in time. It was awesome to see. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, the feature prelim, we got to talk about that one. Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Whoa, man. He shocked the world with a hell of a kick. Uh, people started saying that was a bit of a decapitation. Uh, man, did uh, Alessio leaned right into it and just took it. And it was over so fast. Like, I knew he had that power. And I, I said, Okay, watch this, watch this. You got to watch this. This guy's so powerful. I don't think this fight's going to last long. And I didn't I didn't actually think 17 seconds was going to be it. But man, that was that was a hell of a kick. One strike was thrown and that was the end of the fight. <laughs> All right? That was it. One strike. Oh, I love the setup though for this fight where Al Hassan's son was just like, "Hey dad, Got to stop losing, buddy. Got to stop losing. Yeah. Got to start winning, right? Yeah. Like his, yeah. his son just read him the riot act, and he goes, you "Got it, son. I am going to start winning." <laughs> and <it> was that? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe you know, pump him up some more because if that's your response to a loved family member saying, "Hey, man, I'm going to need a little bit more from you," <laughs> and he does that, maybe that guy, you know, maybe you should talk to your son a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, that was so great. Uh, so he's got um, he's the seventh fighter with three or more uh sub one minute KOs. Every one of his 11 wins have been by first round knockout. Uh, he is just man, just so electric. Uh, I like that he um decided to go to Colorado. Uh, he said, I, I had to address my cardio. Um, you know, I was getting gassed and, uh, you know, everybody knew it. Uh, second round, I would start losing it and other guys were able to jump on me and beat me. Uh, he went to Colorado and he said, I was actually hoping for a bit of a long fight so I could show my uh, cardio, but 
that opportunity presented itself. He said, we actually thought we were going to do it with the left kick. Uh, but as soon as I saw him bend down, I decided to throw that kick and finish it off. But I'm looking forward to seeing how his cardio is and he's becoming more of a well-rounded fighter, I hope. Yeah. Or I look forward to him doing another 15-second knockout. One or the other. I'm good with the, I'm good with either or. True. Yeah. yeah. He got 50K for that. Uh, another huge bonus. Uh, I, I, I love when they show the reaction of the of the announcers it's so awesome to see them jump out of there because they're they're just right there at the cage and they can see it hear it bam and they're up oh it's so great when they show those uh reactions uh that was another one where holy cow everybody was stunned yes yeah everybody was stunned because it was stunning because hey jesus you're talking about a fight that where it's like one strike was thrown that was the end of the fight and then he it was a walk-off KO, too, because yeah. he just looked at him and goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, let's blast through the rest of it. Uh, we got to just talk of NBA, NFL really briefly. Um, Sam Alvey, quite a lot of trouble uh, fighting for his uh, contract to stay in the UFC. Dana White says, I'm not going to cut him yet, but he's yeah. um, definitely – uh, on the chopping block pretty yeah. soon if he doesn't pull out a win. Uh, Dustin Jacoby uh, looks really good against the dentist, Darren Stewart. Um, yeah, wow, that was a uh, heck of a, a knockout for Jacoby. Uh, were you expecting that? I was not expecting that. I thought this fight would go longer than what it did. I thought it would actually be a war, but Jacoby just showed his... Uh, superior technical prowess on the feet against Stewart, which ended up uh, getting the, the, the TKO KO win. Yeah. Uh, his nickname is the Han Yak. And I wrote down what that means. And I hope I have it here. Handy. <laughs> uh, it, it, it means that you are a out of line uh, soldier that is very belligerent and extremely aggressive. So uh, pretty cool nickname. Uh, he said it's it's got uh, both Polish and Czech roots and um, has some interesting uh, story behind it. Uh, his twin brother is named Darren, which is kind of cool. Uh, he knocked out a Darren and uh, his twin <laughs> brother was, uh, I'm sure, cheering him on. Um, I hope his twin brother fights too, because I would love to see both of them in the, in battle. No, that would be awesome. That would be pretty cool, especially if he's as good as Dustin. He uh, when once he wobbled Stewart, I couldn't believe the heavy shots that he was throwing. Like Stewart was in so much no, trouble, no, no. and he was trying so bad. Like they yeah. they mentioned um, they they mentioned a fight. Uh, it'll come to me in a second, but they mentioned a fight where the guy was just trying his best to try, but there was no way Jacoby was putting him down and putting him out. It was insane. Yeah. Once he had him up against the cage and he was show, show, throwing those shots, they were pinpoint accurate. Like, no. you know, like he, the guy's coming from glory kickboxing. So yeah, once he has you hurt, you're going out. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be over pretty quick. 
they yeah. they mentioned the uh, Czech Congo Pat Berry uh, yes. knockout where Pat Berry had Czech Congo flopping around the ring like a fish <laughs> and almost knocked out and then finally Congo just throws a shot and knocks Berry out. Uh, that was yeah. one of my favorite fights of all time. Oh yeah, no that 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 fight was so ridiculous because of the ending was so unexpected. Yeah, awesome fight. Uh, the only other fight I want to mention, I guess, is just uh, Pat Sabatini. Uh, he got a 50K bonus for um, his submission win. And, um, yeah, it was a great card all around. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so many good fights on this one. I, I was blown away how uh, impressive it ended up being. Yeah, it was great. It was a great uh, UFC fight, fight night, fight card. It, yeah, super impressed. Yep. Uh, what did, what do you think about next week's uh, fight between Derek Brunson and Darren Till? I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I don't know. Right, right off the bat, I, I want to give the advantage to Till. Okay. And I don't know. I don't even know why, but like it just feels like he would have the advantage in that. And I've counted Brunson out before and been very very wrong. So. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how this fight plays out because like, you know, Darren Till is very technical when he wants to be, especially on his feet True. and Brunson can be, but I, I would imagine that Brunson is going to do a mix of trying to grapple and fight on the feet. Whereas I think Till will just basically just try to fight him on his feet. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm leaning towards Brunson on this one. Uh, I, I just, feel like he's on such a, a rise and uh, yeah i think uh, he's going to be able to take him out uh, i'm looking forward to the co-main event uh, i like tom aspinall sergey spivak should be a, a great opponent for him uh, i love when heavyweights are are a co-main event and um, yeah should be some good fireworks probably a ko in this one yeah i think so and i think the ko is coming from aspinall that guy's hands are ridiculous his yeah. boxing is on point his footwork is awesome it's quick. It's powerful. I think Tom Aspinall takes him out. Personally. Yeah. yeah. I think Bisping has trained with him and uh, says a lot of good things about him. Uh, a light heavyweight battle between Modestus Bukaskis and Khalil Roundtree Jr. Should be Ooh. a hell of a, a battle in the light heavyweight division too. Yeah. And Khalil Roundtree, he has that ridiculous power. So Bukaskis better be careful of that because he could be lights out at any point in time yeah. any point in time in that fight uh on the prelims we've got a canadian mark andre barrio who uh fought here in canada for many years before he got an opportunity uh south of the border uh charles jordan is fighting uh, julian arosa as well um yeah i mean it's gonna be a great card as always yeah yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to the to the card i'm looking forward to seeing that Jordan Rosa fight. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be good. Like it, I I'm hoping the card is as good as the one that we just saw this past weekend. Yeah. Okay, a uh, couple of quick NFL notes, then a couple of quick NBA notes, and then we'll uh head off to our evening. Uh NFL note, uh Hurricane Ida hit New Orleans this weekend. Uh they're talking about possibly having to move the uh opening game between the Packers and New Orleans. Uh, the Saints have already evacuated the state. Uh, they have went to Dallas. They're training 
uh, in Dallas this week. Uh, this hurricane hit 16 years to the day that Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans and devastated the city that time. Uh, this time, not as much damage because the levees haven't been broken yet, but power went out to the entire city. A complete blackout was across the grid and uh, there are, you know, people in, in trouble here. Uh, this is um, this is kind of crazy that uh, week one we're going to see uh, them playing maybe in Dallas, maybe playing you know somewhere else. Last time this happened, they played in San Antonio and Baton Rouge. That whole entire season, they didn't play in New Orleans after that hit. Um, yeah, what do you think about all this? It's 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 devastating and it, it's it's unfortunate that it's happening to that city again. Yeah. But at least they have the ability and the know-how because they've already gone through it before, how to pivot and make it work for however long they need to make it work for. So hopefully, obviously they won't they won't have to do the whole season in somewhere somewhere else, play somewhere yeah. else. But uh, and hopefully they get it all figured out and they're able to play in front of their fans again. Uh, sooner than later. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, uh, they can play in Dallas. Supposedly, uh, they might not be able to train there all the way to September 12th when it's supposed to be, because uh, Dallas is coming back to train there. But uh, Dallas is playing on the road against Seattle Week One. Or actually, no, sorry. Uh, um, yeah, they're playing Seattle, but uh, a Thursday night start. I think I saw. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. But, uh, yeah, tough. Um, I, we're sure hope, um, yeah, people, uh, there's not a lot of deaths there. I uh, hope people don't lose their homes like last time. And uh, hopefully they can uh, get back to normal fairly quick. Um, Carson Wentz, uh, we talked about him last week, uh, returned after that weird surgery, was able to come back a lot sooner, uh, was on track to start week one. Uh, but guess what? He got injured. No, he got COVID. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's on the shelf. Uh, maybe, maybe not. He got COVID. He's on the COVID protocol. Uh, not for sure that he got it, but he's been in close contact with some people that have got it. Uh, his center, one of his top receivers, a uh, couple of the coaches, they have all been quarantined. They're at least down for this week. And uh, it sure looks like he probably won't start week one now. Ah, uh, well, it's always something with Carson. <laughs> probably should have put a bet down that he was not going to be able to start. I know. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> Vegas would have ticked that bet too. Probably not giving you the greatest odds, but no, um, no. crazy. Yeah, he just seems snake bitten all the time. Uh, their second year quarterback, Jacob. Eason is uh, expected to go under center, uh, not the number one center. So uh, could be in for a tough debut uh, getting out there. And uh, But um, yeah, uh, if it wasn't for bad luck, Carson would have no luck at all. Man, that guy is just always having trouble staying on the field. Yeah, he is. And and this one is unfortunate because this is kind of really kind of out of his hands, you know, like it happens. COVID oh. happens. That That's, that's what COVID has shown us. Is that COVID happens. Unbelievable. Happens. Isn't it? Yeah. 
Uh, I got home tonight and there wasn't much sports on. Uh, I had the Blue Jays game on for a little bit. There was a, a previous NFL game, so I had it on uh, my other TV. And I was I was keeping my eye on some things, but all of a sudden a, a movie came up that is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I'm not sure if you've ever watched it. Listen to the people that are in this movie, and I kind of think I, I know the name of the movie you're going to pick, but it's not the name. Uh, these these guys are all in this movie, and uh, it's going to shock you. Uh, Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Kareem, Isaiah Thomas, Charles Oakley, Chris Mullen, Kevin Johnson, Paul Westfall, Bill Lambier, John Starks, Kurt Rambis, Spud Webb, Tim Hardaway, David Robinson, Dan Marley, Sean Elliott, Horace Grant, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, and the announcers are Marv, Albert, and Bill Walton. Name the movie. Space Jam? No, I knew you were going to pick that, but no. No, it's not Space Jam. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, think I don't know. This is a movie from 1995 where Billy Crystal plays an NBA referee and they show him doing his job constantly on the court. And there's... These NBA players, they use real NBA players. He's out there, little short, Billy Crystal, calling fouls, tossing guys out of games. It's hilarious. It's it's such a good movie. It's a rom-com. He's uh, falling in love with Deborah Winger, and they're doing this, but he's an NBA ref, and they get to show all these great, great, great stars of yesteryear in this movie. It's It's awesome, man. It's awesome. Okay, what's the name of the movie? It's called Forget <laughs> Paris. Get Paris. Forget Paris. I, I, you know what? I think I might have seen that. I think I might have seen that. Like, obviously, that's a long time ago. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, how did they get all these players to be on the be in the movie? Like, how did they do that? <laughs> it yeah. was amazing. I was I was absolutely shocked. First time I just happened across it. And uh, it was on again today. So I'm like, hey, man, I'm watching it. I'm, I'm, I, I love seeing all these guys try to act. And, and there's a few hilarious moments on the court. He, he gets uh, in a bad mood and he just starts tossing guys out of the stadium. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. And, and the, he, uh, he comes up to Spud Webb and says, uh, you're the only guy that I can relate to. And we're about the same height. Yeah. <laughs> awesome it's it's, it's yeah one, man it's a good one i uh, know yeah, no, you know what i do remember that i do remember that scene i remember that scene because spud webb's kind of looking at him like what do you mean what are you talking about <laughs> yeah no doubt um okay quick nba news uh so it sounds like uh paul Millsap is uh, being sought after by many, many, many teams. Uh, he's probably leaving Denver. Uh, Golden State, the LA Clippers, Chicago, and Brooklyn are all heavily, heavily, heavily trying to get this guy. Uh, he spent the last four years in Denver. Um, had a, yeah, had, had, had a really good career, 15-year vet. Um, are you surprised that this many teams are, uh, you know, trying to, to get him in? He's a, he's a solid veteran player and he doesn't take away from your team. He adds to your team. So to be honest with you, like, not really, I, I'm not really that surprised because 
all the teams that are, you know, looking to try to make a run in the playoffs can will need a guy like that. Okay. We'll need a forward of that capability and of that talent level. Oh yeah. I, I'm not surprised at all. I, I'm curious to see where he ends up going. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that Brooklyn's in, in the mix. I, I wouldn't go there if I was him. He's uh, trying to uh, find a spot with KD, Kyrie, and and, and uh, the beard. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be going there. Uh, I think there's better places for him to sign. Well, I'm going to be honest. They have money for him? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just spent like $600 million for those three guys. So... <laughs> I'm glad right. they have any money left for anybody. True, yeah, very true. Uh, they are trying to buy out DeAndre Jordan. Uh, for some reason, he be, he fell out of favor with them. Uh, he was a healthy scratch the last 16 games that they played. I'm not sure why, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's a solid, solid, solid center, and I think he, he'll bring a lot to somebody. So, uh, I would, it would be smart for him to take that buyout and go somewhere where he's going to get some playing time. Yes, it would be. But at the same time, I wanted to say that uh, he was outplayed, though, by, uh, I want to say, the guy that took his spot was Claxton. Right. Claxton outplayed him indefinitely. He was the better player, and that's why his uh, playing time got cut. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't get any minutes. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's a solid contributor and you know should, should be good somewhere. Uh, Razion Rondo agreed to a buyout today with Memphis. He's now a free agent. Uh, he has to clear waivers today. I haven't heard quite yet if he did, but uh, supposedly he's rejoining the Lakers where he won in the bubble, the 2020 championship, his second ring uh, coming back there. It looks like uh, Lakers have another one of those veteran minimums and going to give them some money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a good landing spot for Rajon. And yes, he's going to have to take a veteran minimum, but look, look at the, look at the, look, look, look at how the team is constructed. Like I, I I'm Rajon Rondo. I want to join that team yeah. because they look fantastic. They look, that team is better than when they won. All right. They're better than when they won. me yeah. personally looking at what they, what they put together as a roster. So yes, from Rajon Rondo, I was like, okay, I'll take my money. Thank you. I'll take the veteran minimum and I'll try to win it myself another ring. Yeah. Perfect. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly he's going to give about 5 million from the Grizzlies. He, he had a contract with 15 million for two years. Well, going to get a bio for about five. He'll step 2.6. So he'll get exactly what he was going to get with Memphis and have a chance at a title. So yeah, no brainer to me. Yeah. Uh, Raptors have been making offers to Philly for Ben Simmons, I hear. Uh, but Philly keeps asking for way too much, guys. And they're just, uh, their offers are crazy. Uh, supposedly, T-Wolves are also trying to get Ben. Um, but, um, yeah, Philly just uh, won't back off some of the asks that they, they want for Ben. And uh, I don't think a deal is going to be done uh, uh, for any team until the season starts and they can, uh, yeah, see what things are shaking out uh, eventually. Yeah. I know that Daryl Morey's doing this intentionally to, to put that ceiling up so high so that he's, he's trying to set it right. So that all the other teams know is like, well, we're going to have to 
like pretty much give them the farm for this one player that doesn't like to shoot in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, me personally, I would never – I wouldn't give it to him. Yeah. I don't – me personally, from what I saw from that playoff run, he's not worth it. Right. So, no, yeah. you don't get it from me. So. No, me either, yeah. Uh, Raptors did make a deal. Uh, they took Svi Mihalik. Uh, they gave him a two-year deal, the six-seven wingman. Uh, was a great shooter. Uh, he played with uh, Detroit and Oklahoma City last year. Twenty-four-year-old, uh, uh, usually about forty percent from three-point land, and uh, I think it was a smart deal for them getting another shooter. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's what they needed, and uh, good job on them for picking up a, a shooter for sure yeah. for the team. Uh, lots of rumors of guys that uh, are supposedly going to be moving. Uh, Christoph Porzingis, uh, rumored to go lots of places. I've uh, been hearing about James Wiseman leaving Golden State. Uh, CJ McCollum might be on the block with the Blazers. Uh, they, they might have decided that uh, that two-guard tandem isn't working anymore. Uh, Bradley Beals on the block. Uh, who else? Um, yeah, I've been hearing weird rumors about Siakam and Van Vliet for some reason. Uh, Colin Sexton out of Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be some things for us to talk about in the coming weeks uh, before the um, training camp starts for NBA teams soon. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what the movements happen. See who goes where, or if there's any movement and does everybody just stay put where they are right now? Probably not, no. but, uh, there should be some player movement for sure. Uh, last was a fantastic interview on a magazine called complex with Dame Lillard. Uh, he talked a lot about, uh, winning the uh, in the Olympics, his first gold medal, uh, his latest uh, rap release, full-length LP called Different on Levels the Lord Allowed. Uh, he collaborated with Snoop Dogg, Lil Wayne, tons of really great artists. And um, he talked about how much he loves playing in how much he loved playing in Oakland when Golden State was there. That's where he grew up. Loved playing in Utah. That's where he went to college. Um, said, you know, he's open to a move if Portland can't figure this out because he's getting a little frustrated. Uh, and he also mentioned that uh, he collaborated on an album with DMX and uh, they've got a lot of uh, things together to put out an album. Uh, it never got released before DMX passed away this year. And um, he said, uh, maybe we'd be able to pull it together and release it eventually, but uh, a really fantastic interview. I, I recommend checking it out. Oh, that's awesome. I, I had no idea that he actually did uh, collaborate with DMX. Whenever that thing comes out, I'm definitely having to listen to that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, T Wood uh, he danced into the ring last night to, to his rap, and uh, another guy was singing it, but uh, it was a Woodley song. <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was laughing a little bit. Uh, there's tons of rappers on that uh, fight with De La Hoya and Belfort, uh, Snoop Dogg is one of the uh, head guys of that Triller, and he's going to be there with tons of rappers. Uh, it was pretty funny before. I, I thought there was going to be rappers on this last card. There wasn't anything last night from what I saw, but 
Um, anyway, yeah, we started talking about some kind of touchy subjects. We got into talking about some really weird uh, celebrity boxing, but I'm glad we uh, covered uh, the normal sports that we get to normally talk about. And uh, it was fun as always, man. Really fun. Yeah, it, it's uh, always an enjoyable experience, and it's uh, always great to start off my week by doing this with you, my friend. So, yeah. awesome stuff as always. Yeah, well, uh, it was great to uh, find out that uh, we probably are working together doing this uh, and actually our day jobs uh, coming up soon. So, uh, man, that's been uh, years in the making. Uh, I guess we worked together briefly on The Good Doctor, but it goes back to uh, indie days when we first got into this industry. So uh, that's going to be amazing to be able to yeah, see you uh, on, a, on a daily basis. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be great. And, and then also, too, just to know that during those indie days, I'm now on a show with the people that we both worked with yeah. on my show right now. So it's almost like this year's a reconnection as, of sorts which is awesome super cool man yeah really cool it's great. it's great how life works and uh yeah it's great we've known each other for a long time and we've done a lot of great collaborations um uh, i i've been loving this uh it's been a fantastic year and uh yeah this makes my week i, I love getting ready for this and we have so much fun uh i have a big uh podcast coming up uh, this week the new owner of the bc lions is going to be uh, a podcast guest and uh, we're really excited here we were able to uh, secure uh, him to agree we haven't got a date and a time quite yet uh, we're trying to me mesh our schedules to figure it out but uh, stay tuned I'll let you know when um, we do it and it gets released uh, it's going to be exciting uh, there hasn't been a new owner for the BC Lions for a really really long time uh, this is a local guy first time local ownership in many 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 years and uh, it sounds like, um, yeah, he's going to do a lot of things to make the CFL relevant here and uh, really can't wait to get a chance to talk to him. Yeah, no, that's that's exciting stuff. That's fantastic news. Congratulations to you for getting him. And uh, I can't wait to hear the interview. Can't wait. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. OK, well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, keep in touch this week. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon, man. All right. You got it, man. Enjoy. Okay. Thanks, Jason. Cheers, buddy. Okay. All right. Uh, that wraps up another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I went on a little bit of a rant to begin with. Hope you didn't tune out for too, too long. But uh, yeah, I, um, I had a lot of fun. Uh, talking sports with Jason. Um, yeah, uh, that's a serious topic, serious subject that we talked about off the top and probably will involve a lot more conversations with a lot more people. But um, I love where I live. I love this country. I love this city. I love this province. I love this area of the world. I've been to many parts of the world and uh, you know, I really can tell you that I feel so grateful and lucky to be here. I think, um, yeah, this, this is a, a wonderful spot and I don't want people around the world to hear about the conflicts and things that are going on here and think that we have anything less than a, a really great place. Uh, obviously, um, yeah, uh, hopefully it just keeps getting better and we have conversations that change things, but um, not too much because um, uh, I think uh, more too much change could be for the detriment uh, for it. So 
anyway um yeah hope you enjoyed yourself so thanks so much for tuning in as always and uh just a quick shout out to our partners and sponsors um thanks so much to anchor.fm the easiest place to make a podcast just go to anchor.fm verbero the hockey equipment and apparel company pampas and possibilities uh the great curators of handmade things for your home and uh, forever living the um, health and beauty products made from aloe vera so uh thanks again take care of yourself uh yeah tune in this week uh we'll have a great podcast with the uh new owner of the bc lions mr doman so uh really excited about that okay all right love you lots take care bye for now